Hey, I had a funny thing happen this morning. I went about my normal routine. I was at Dunkin' Donuts a couple minutes after five this morning, and I, I walked in and Usually at that time, it's the same crowd, but there's a guy in there I had never seen before. I walked in, I was getting my coffee. He says, man, I hope you're dressed for a party and you're not going to work. Uh, it just so happens I'm, I'm going to work. He says, hey, you don't work for Con Ed, do you? I go, no, I, I work for a higher power. And I could see the puzzle on his face. And, and I said, I'm a minister. Oh, he starts laughing. That makes sense. I, say, I, I said, I take it you work for Con Ed. He said, yeah, and the last few days, man, we've been very, very busy. It's been a little hot. But how many know God's in the house this morning? Hey, good morning, good morning to those who are joining online. Welcome. Thank you for allowing us to come into your home or wherever you're watching. But... Um, have, have you ever had a conflict in your schedule where you wish you could be at two different places at the same time? Yeah. And you're trying, which one do I go to? This morning, I want to talk about the omnipresence of God. God's omnipresence. Well, my third week in July... I just happened to take a trip down to Lexington, Virginia to see my sister. My oldest sister lives there. Lexington, Virginia is at the southern part of the Shenandoah Valley with the Blue Ridge Mountains to the right and to the left are the Allegheny Mountains. Uh, to the east are the Blue Ridge Mountains. To the west are the Allegheny Mountains. It's, it's just, it's, it's a mountainous region. region. It's just a lot of mountains. And it, it just so happened, too, that my other sister, she was traveling from Ohio back down to around Durham, North Carolina. So I said to my sister Carol, I said, hey, I know you're traveling. Why don't you stop at Barbie's house and we could all get, spend some time together. So there's the three of us floating in my sister's pool and we were able to spend a, about a day and a half together. It was, it was very precious uh, to, to be with them and, and thank God for family, that's all I can say. But the place that Heather and I stayed at in Lexington had this beautiful porch that faced the north east. Mornings I would sit out on that porch and watch the sunrise come up over those mountains. Now, if I had to choose between the ocean and the mountains, I'll choose the ocean. But I, I loved a couple days there visiting the mountains. And as I said at the beginning, uh, when I came back from my, my four weeks vacation, the first week down in Cape May, I focused on the faithfulness of God, how, how God is faithful. Which led me the second week, as I preached last week, into the holiness of God, how God is holy. My third week, I just wanted to dwell and think about his presence. And I couldn't think of a better way than just sitting on that porch mornings watching the sun come up over those mountains, thinking and dwelling on his presence. There are three attributes of God that you should always keep in the forefront of your mind. And all three attributes begin with a four-letter prefix, omni, which in the Latin means all. Omniscient. God is all-knowing. 
And no matter what you may be going through right now, you need to tell yourself, God is all-knowing and he knows what you're going through, Jimmy. Secondly, God's omnipotent. No matter what you're going through, he has the power to intervene in that situation. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And he's also omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere at the same time. Now, of these three, probably the most difficult to comprehend is God's omnipresence. It's difficult to comprehend because how many times have you asked that all-important question? Where are you, God? Where is God? The seeker wants to know. And so does the skeptic. And so does the guilty sinner so he can run the opposite way. And so does the one who is hurting, wanting to know why they've been abandoned by the Almighty. Where are you, God? If you are ever present at all times, where are you? And the reason why we have such a hard time comprehending this attribute of God is because we have nothing we can compare it to because we can only be in one place at one time. There's a simple definition of omnipresent. The Lord our God is everywhere at once. He's everywhere at once. He is everywhere present all the time. He is here in Freehill, New Jersey. All of him is in Freehill, New Jersey. All of him is in Frankfurt, Germany. All of him is in Foshan, China. All at the same time. Now, if that doesn't boggle your mind. In fact, his presence has been described as like the air we breathe. We can't see it. And how many of you are breathing right now and aren't even aware of the air you're breathing, but your very existence depends on it? God is everywhere. His presence is everywhere. And if for just one moment he withdrew his presence from this earth, would any of us have a chance I want to share with you a a very insightful, very deep, meaningful passage of Scripture from Psalms 139. In it, it describes how God is omniscient, all-knowing. But it also describes that he's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. So we're going to camp out. In verses 7 through 12 of Psalms 139, could you stand for the reading of God's word? In fact, can we do something different today? Can we read this together? Here we go. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Well, you may be seated. Let me just give you a couple thoughts on some of these verses first. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? These rhetorical questions are an emphatic way of declaring that God's presence is everywhere. While David may have thought about trying to run away from the Lord at different times in his life, David realized no matter if he wanted to run, where could he go? Because God is omnipresent. He's all there all the time. Where can you go and flee from his presence? David has this insight that no matter where he goes, whether to the north or to the south, to the east, to the west, David realized that God is spirit and can pierce and penetrate our very soul, our very being, and that it is impossible to get away from his presence. He looks up and says, if I go up into the heavens, he looks up at the sky and he, he realizes how vast heaven is. Of course, he didn't have all the technology that we have today, but we're talking about the solar system, the universe. If we could ascend in into the universe, we, we think that it's so vast that there might be a little planet, a little corner that we could hide from God's presence, but you can't. And then he says, if I make my beds in the depth, if, if I go below six feet and dig a little deeper and even go to the core of the earth, David says, there are you. You're there. So David says, no matter how high I can ascend or how far I drop, we always do this comparison of heaven and hell. Heaven is a place of life and light. Hell is a place of death and darkness. And I believe the metaphor that David's using here, no matter how good or how bad it gets in your life, God is always there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, well, anybody 
ever wonder what the wings of the dawn are? And I believe what he's referring to. As, as I watched the, the sunrise over those mountains and, and the, the, the rays, the sun rays that came from the sun. Sunrises are beautiful. And the rays that penetrate from the sun are just fascinating. They, they appear for a moment and, and then they're gone the next moment. And I believe the metaphor David is using here is the rays of the sun. If just one of those rays could be a wing, I could be transported to the other side of the sea, to this remote island where nobody else is, and there's just a little cabin for me, myself, and I. And there, and David realized that if I settle, on the far side of the sea. And even if I could get there in the speed of light, I still can't outrun you, God, because you're already there. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your, your right hand will Hold me fast. Boy, Jonah learned this the hard way, didn't he? Remember when God in Jonah chapter 1 commissioned Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh and warn the people how wicked and evil they were? Jonah didn't want to go. Not because he didn't want to tell the enemy how evil and wicked. That would have been fun. He knew that God would have grace and mercy upon them. And he didn't want to be a part of having those barbaric individuals restored. So what does Jonah do? Instead of going east, instead of going east, he buys a ticket for a boat and goes in the opposite direction. They said he set sail for what is now known as Spain. Totally the opposite way. And I believe that when Jonah boarded that boat and it left the docks and they set sail, I bet Jonah went, ah, I did it. I made it. But even in the boat, even in the sea, God knew where he was. And his presence was even amidst the storm and in the belly of a giant fish. And there Jonah realized that his hand will still guide me. His right hand will hold me fast that it's impossible to try to hide from God. So the psalmist David is thinking, okay, if I go up, he's there. If I go down, he's there. If I go left, if I go right, he's there. He's everywhere. Ah, but does God have night vision? 
Can he see what I do in the dark? If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light around me become night, and the light and the light become night around me. David's thinking, ah, and boy, don't we try to fool ourselves by keeping things we do in the secret place. We close the door and think we're by ourselves. Sometimes in our minds we have those dark places in our thoughts that we like to go to from time to time to visit thinking that those thoughts in those dark places, no one will ever know. No one will ever see what I do behind the closed door in the dark. And the psalmist goes on to say, even the darkness, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day and the darkness is as light to you. So no matter what I'm trying to do in the dark, in the secret, you know because you are everywhere, ever present at all times. Now, when we talk about the omnipresence of God, some people find it ah, soothing. Other people find it <laughs> unsettling. So let's take a look at the former first. How God's omnipresence brings conviction. Like Jonah, are you trying to run from God? Has God asked you to do something and you don't want to do it? And you're running from God? Can I give you some wisdom? Can I give you some wisdom? Stop before the storm or you're going to have a whale of a problem. Nothing, Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and lays bare before the eyes of him whom we must give an account. That's a little unsettling. But isn't this what just what David described in the Psalms? And all of a sudden, what we do in the secret place, what we do in the dark places of our minds, all of a sudden starts to lead us to feel a little unsettled, a little convicted. Have you ever had a prank go bad? You ever have a prank go bad? You set up this prank and it, Bonnie, remember your big bear, Jimmy the bear? Yeah, remember, when you were about five years old, we, we gave Bonnie one of this big stuffed bear. It was big. It was a gun bear, all wooly, full. I think you named it Jimmy because granddad named his bear Jimmy, and you wanted the bear like granddad, and we got you this big bear. 
One night as we were getting ready for bed, uh, that bear was sitting on the couch. And I decided to take that bear, put it in our bed, put the covers over it, and hide in our closet. Now, our bedroom at the time was probably at one time 10 by 10, but they, it was an old row house in Clifton, so they put a closet, they added a closet, a, a full-length closet just across, so now it was maybe, you know, the, all we had room was for one dresser, two dressers, a bed, and, a, and literally three feet to walk around. The closet was at the end of the bed near the door, and I put the bear, it, it looked so real, and I got in the closet, and I closed the door. Heather comes into the room asking me a question. Well, I can't respond because she thinks I'm in bed. And if I respond from the closet, that's kind of weird. So I just kept quiet. She says, I know you heard me. You can't be asleep already. Now I know I'm in trouble. And she asked the question again. And I couldn't respond because she thinks I'm in bed and I want my voice to come from the closet. So I just decided to surrender. As I opened the closet door, oh my goodness. It was a prank that went bad. Because she thought I was laying in bed and she didn't know who was in the closet. And it was not a pretty scene. Friends, listen. God's not hiding in the closet trying to scare you. I know that this could be unsettling, but if you're here this morning and you feel an ounce of conviction, you know what that is? That's God's loving kindness. That's his compassion. He's not here to jump on us. He's not here to frighten us. He's not here to scare us. His conviction is brought to you because he doesn't want you hiding. He doesn't want you running. He wants you to come to him. God's omnipresence brings about, can anyone hide in the secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel the heaven and earth declares the Lord? His omnipresence brings comfort. Here's one of those life verses that you, you need to have from time to time. Isaiah 41.10, it sits on Heather's dresser. So do not fear. So do not fear. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. The conviction is a part of God wanting to extend his right hand to hold you up. As I think about his ever presence, I think of these three things. God is always near his people. If you don't know the second part of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, you need to memorize this. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. 
That is a promise of God. And because he's faithful, because he's holy, he cannot go back on his word. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You need to have that memory verse committed, that verse committed to memory. God is always near his people. And some of you probably have experienced this maybe in the past month or so. God is especially close when we go through tough times. God is especially close when we go through tough times. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close. And third, God comes even closer when we get closer to him. God gets closer when we get closer to him. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. So I sat there that one morning just wondering, how can I be more presence-driven? How can I be more presence-driven? Lord, I I don't want to go back and lose sight of your presence. Begin your day with intentionality. Begin each day in prayer, with devotion, during your morning routine. Now, some people say, but I like to do it at night. I don't know, man. There's something about conversing with God. One of the first things you do when you wake up, reading his word, praying with him. One of my prayers is, Lord, I know that this is another day that you have given me. This is another day. This day is from you. For you. God, use me to bring glory to your name this day. Begin your day with intentionality that this is a day that God has given you that he can use you to glorify his name. Turn complaints into cries of praise. Man, it's so easy to start complaining. This is wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong. And what I have tried to start doing in my own life is when I find myself complaining, stop and think of something to be thankful for. In the midst of the complaining, there's always something to be thankful for. Life is too short just to spend it complaining. So in those times of being negative and complaining, stop and say, now, what is it that I am thankful for in the midst of this that I can turn this into praise? Just speaking for me. If it works for you, so be it. Third, turn suffering into surrender. Do you know, I'm, I'm literally every day just one phone call away from bad news. One phone call away from bad news. Came back the other day from doing an errand. There was a message. Brenda, you gave me the message you heard about. I appreciate it. Called and I'm praying for him. And I won't mention his name, but a, a good friend who served on the 
who served on the Human Relations Council with me for many years, a police officer, found out that he's at St. Peter's with COVID, but his 16-year-old son is in the intensive care unit with COVID. And you think about that. And I could sit there and think and think about the suffering But what you do is you just turn it to a surrender to God. God, I surrender them to you. You are the omnipotent, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the ever-present. And Lord, I just pray that you would make yourself so prevalent in their life right now. Allow suffering. Because in this world, you're going to have troubles. Suffering is all around us. But you got to allow suffering to lead you to the throne room of God, nearer to Jesus. While I was on vacation, I was thinking of the presence of God. and I, I got this next point from Brother Lawrence, the practice of the presence of God. Man, the practice of the presence of God. Turn the mundane into a holy moment. <laughs> Turn them. There's routines in our lives that we can do with our eyes closed. There are mundane things that we perform every day at work. There are opportunities that we have that we have to do that are just plain boring. 15 years, Brother Lawrence in a monastery washed greasy pots and pans and he hated it until the day he invited the Lord into his washing of the pots and pans. And he says, all of a sudden I started practicing the presence of God in even the mundanes of washing the pots and pans and it became a privilege. And last, you'll never be presence-driven unless you lead yourself in worship. It's great to come in corporate worship. But I'm telling you, man, when you're in the car, put on some worship music. When you're at home, start singing the praises of God. Learn to do not just the sing of worship, but realize that your life is an act of worship to him. And if everything you do, you see as worship unto God, that makes you more conscious of his presence. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Begin your day with intentionality. God, thank you for this day that you have given me. Use me to glorify your name. Finding yourself complaining, stop. Life's too short. Be something to find God to be thankful for. Hear some bad news, suffering, a little ache and pain. God, I just surrender to you. Turn those routines, the mundane, the the things that you can do with your eyes closed. Invite God into the mundane parts of your life. And make sure 
you lead yourself in worship. Would you stand with me? Father, thank you for the time that I had away just to focus on how faithful you are. There from lamentations. Yet, this one thing I call to mind. And thank you that from that dwelling upon your faithfulness, you're faithful because you're holy. There's no evil. There's no sin that is a part of you. And from there to the mountains of Lexington, seeing the sun rays over those mountains early morning, dwelling upon your omnipresence. Whether it brings comfort or whether it unsettles you, If you're here right now and you just are sensing a fear that you thought you were doing things in your secret place that no one knew, God knows. He sees. You're here this morning and you're running from God. Stop. His conviction is not about jumping out of a closet to scare you. His His conviction is to draw you back because he loves you so much. He loves you so much. He doesn't want you running. He doesn't want you hiding. He wants you in fellowship with him. Because of the sensitivity, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but, but why our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe you need to respond by just raising your hand, saying, God, I, I've been running from you. I've been hiding from you. And Lord, I'm just sensing a conviction right now that Lord, it's your loving hand that guides, your right hand that holds me up, that you don't want me running, you don't want me hiding. And it's your loving kindness that leads me to life. Maybe you just need to raise your hand before the Lord right now. Jesus. Jesus. God, you see the honesty of these people. Lord, do you even know the ones who want to raise their hands but are fearful of raising their hands? In the presence of Jehovah, God Jesus, your grace and your mercy.
God. 